You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Coming at you today with another new episode of Fly in the Call and another returning guest, Riverbeat. This time we're talking all about their sophomore album, Absolution, which comes out tomorrow, March 25th, on Take This to Heart Records. Compared to their last album, Smart Mouth, this is a much more collaborative process. We're talking about making the music you want and making it sound the best way it can, creating sonic variety, and their plan for the Riverbeat cinematic universe. This is a good one, so enjoy. Last time we spoke, you mentioned that you had like 70 songs written. And I know in your bio for this album, it says you have a bank of 150. Have you really doubled your output since the last album came out? I can't say 150. I, different, I definitely have like uh, probably 115, but not 150. I'm not Taylor Swift. I guess, can you talk a little about kind of like your writing process and also like the narrowing down into an album? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my writing process is like pretty chaotic, I kind of think. I either do things like one of three ways. It's either I sit down and I write like the song from start to finish. No, like first draft is what you get. Like, I think we did that. I did that with Chapel. Like, I just sat down and just wrote that out and heavy to hold um, from the record. But some songs like The Telltale Heart or even... Um, birth by sleep a bit like I'll take bits and pieces from things that I write and kind of Frankenstein's monster them together to see what kind of fits everything I write is pretty like such a stream of consciousness I have and I like to do things by hand that's like my big thing I'm not um, like a google doc person or like microsoft word so I have about 15 notebooks I would say that are full that I just like, I would, before COVID, I would just like go to a diner or a coffee shop and I would just sit and like listen to artists that I think were really inspiring and just like stream of consciousness, just write, 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 even if it was bad because something's bound to be good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just like every single time, like Tyler or any of us are like, okay, time to write some songs. I just bring out the notebooks and I just start piecing shit together. Like, um, and so it's, it's, it hasn't, then I'll send, oh, <laughs> these poor people I'll like make a spot like a SoundCloud playlist of a whole bunch of rough demos of like 30 songs and I'll just be like pick the ones you like <laughs> go for it yeah how does that like is that narrowing down process like collaborative like are you in on that or is it literally just like other people kind of taking what you've spat out <laughs> no I, I gotta say like I feel like um it used to kind of just be like um 
me just kind of being like, pick a song, we're doing that song. There's not really much else to it. Um, but this time around when we were kind of throwing demos out, it was a lot more collaborative of some of them being like, well, I like this part of the song or I like how this sounds. We could do it with this other song. Um, so it was really nice to kind of like, I think uh, River B has grown enough with each other that we're super comfortable in being like, no, I don't like that. How about we do this? Or like, I like these things and not that. So communication has been really good about like what songs they like and what they don't like and what I should do, what we should do more or less of, which was really awesome with the demos because they're always bare bones. Like it's just me and one acoustic guitar. And then, um, well, I'll just like send it to everybody and they'll like make their own bits and pieces and we'll just put it together that way, which I think is super fun. I like seeing how the members of my band interpret the songs that I make differently. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much everyone that I've seen talk about the album has, you know, said it's Riverbees leveled up. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I very much feel the same way, but I'm curious, like, how you have done that with, you know, hardly a chance to, you know, play shows or like road test these songs or even a lot of the songs on Smart Mouth. Yeah. I mean, we literally played Smart Mouth songs for the first time ever, June 5th, uh, June 4th of 2021. That was our first Smart Mouth outing. And we only started playing, and honestly, because we were making these songs anyway, we were playing Absolution songs around then too, like once shows were happening. Like in July, we had a Smart Mouth release show, but like three of the songs were from Absolution. So it's like, we didn't, we haven't had time to play anything, I feel like, which is why making set lists have been impossible <laughs> um because usually with set lists you're like okay uh, what are the songs that people really like and what do we play a lot but we're looking at each other like we don't play like <laughs> what are we supposed to do now we have like 25 songs that we're dealing with that we don't know how to play <laughs> but it really it came down to like we knew when we were recording songs when we were making them and when we would do like live rehearsals like the songs that made us kind of like jump out of our bones and really like freak out we could already tell we're like no I don't need to test this for anyone like I already know that this feels really good so it was it was really fun to kind of get each other's energies from that I would send people demos too like on Twitter I have a few friends we would just like bounce back and forth with stuff so that's always good to be in the Twitterverse sometimes for sure yeah I mean with like such a wide range of sounds and like energy throughout the album um, does that make it harder to kind of like play with the set list and, you know, figure out like how to make it flow? Yes. <laughs> 10,000%. Making the track listing for the album was really hard just because like we'll have two really slow songs and then we'll have three really upbeat songs. We'll have two very mean and angry songs. And then it's a struggle and piecing it all together has been so rough because I'll like go through a set list in my head of like, okay, if I was standing at a show, would I really want to hear someone do burn like baseless and then go immediately into chapel? No, that would suck so hard. So it's like, it's been a little rough trying to figure out the vibe and um, going through the motions of sets, but we've done a few shows recently where we've been like playing around with set lists. And I think we finally figured out a groove, but we have the album release like next week. So I, it's all going to blow up in my face, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you mentioned kind of like how this is the 
the first record that Riverbee's really been able to like collaborate as a band on. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of like that process compared to how it was with Smart Mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Smart Mouth was really like Smart Mouth when we made the songs. I, I obviously I write all of the songs, so I presented it and we picked the songs that we liked and we kind of just like I directed what I wanted for the most part. I was like, I want that sound for the drums. I want this guitar tone. So really at that point was like my project. But when it came to Absolution, it was really like Tyler. I, I talk about it all the time because I thought it, it's like a ridiculous thing. Um, for the last song, Imagine the Ending, Tyler sent me like an eight minute long instrumental and texted me and he was just like, write a song about like mortality, write a song about death, like play around because I was in a funk. And so we got to play a little bit more with like compositions of like Tyler really like coming into his own with Riverby and creating those sounds and like coming up with like birth by sleep, like that riff. Like I really tried to give these songs a lot of space while I was writing them so that everybody else could kind of jump in and really like shine with what they're doing. Like, I feel like the bass lines on this record like absolutely rule because Doug was coming up with such good parts while I was writing the song so it got to be a lot of like everybody was really present during it I feel like it wasn't just like I produced these songs that just like came out instead I was like I'm writing this right now how do we feel about this it was very much in the moment which I thought was like awesome it was awesome to not have that all on my shoulders of like trying to carry a whole record and all of us actually working together and getting so excited like we would come up with new things and the way we would like look at each other like puppies I'm just like yeah, it was it was awesome and how did that kind of like flow into you know your first kind of like big uh recording studio experience uh, as a band like with uh, working with Jim Ward I don't think I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like we've never felt more out of place for a brief moment. <laughs> like we got in there and I mean, we demoed the fuck out of those songs. I think if I go back on my Google drive, there's probably at least like six or seven versions of each song, like from conception to going into the studio. So I think we were prepared, but uh, not for what Jim Wirt put us through, <laughs> which wasn't bad. It was just different. Like when we were, in Justin Nazario, who uh, did all of the engineering and everything for Smart Mouth, his basement, we would just we would just record guitars. We would play the song, and that was it. Jim Wirt likes to do things chord by chord, so poor Tyler is sitting there <laughs> playing the same F sharp minor chord for like thirty minutes because Jim Wirt would be like, "It's out of tune," and so we would have to tune the guitar to the chord. So it would be like Tyler holding the F sharp and then Doug on the tuning machine trying to like, it was ridiculous um, in a fun way. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. I've never gone through the ringer on vocals like that because before in DIY, it's kind of like, if you're done, you're done. You kind of decide. But when you have someone like Jim Wirt on the other end of it and he's like, no, do one more take, you're going to do another take because <laughs> he knows what like, and I know it's silly, but like, he did the reason by who the stank. He has a Grammy for that. Like, I'm going to listen to him. Like, it was fun. It was really, it was different. And I think that was what made it really great is that it was nothing that we'd ever experienced before. And it was something that we got to come away with and be able to use for everything in the future too. How was it kind of like a mix between kind of defaulting to him and like bringing him in as like a collaborator? Like, was that uh, kind of like a seamless addition or was it, was there a little bit of a, 
tension there at first. There was only tension once. And it wasn't even his fault. Um, but for the most part, it was like completely seamless. He He's just a cool dude. Like he's just a guy that loves to make music just like we do. He loves rock out. Like he just loved the sound. And he would come up with like little bits. He's like, oh, what if you do this? What, are, what if you do that? What if we take this line out? And what if we add this vocal riff? And But everything he was coming up with was so like in tune with what we wanted, but didn't know that we wanted, if that makes sense. The only time there was ever tension was when I was recording harmonies. I can't even remember for what song it was. And Tyler and Jim kept telling me to do a harmony. And I was like, no, it's going to sound bad. Don't make me do this. And I finally did it. And it sounded bad. And I was like, I fucking told you. I told you it wasn't going to sound good. Listen to me. Um, so then that was literally the only time there was tension. Um, everything else, he's just like a fun guy. It was just like, I don't know. It, it felt like we were just making a record with, after the first day, it felt like we were just making a record with a friend after we got over like that initial kind of, oh my fucking God, what's going on face. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think it was one of the other podcasts that you've done recently. I can't remember which one, um, but you were talking about like recording baseless and how he was just like, yeah, this is, this is a rock song. And it's so funny to me that like, he had that reaction and then your reaction was to post like uh advisory before you even dropped the song <laughs> kind of like you know this is deals with some pretty heavy stuff um so i'm curious kind of like both your take on that song and your take on like his kind of in some ways i guess eyes for the music kind of over everything else <laughs> Honestly, like it was something I really appreciated on uh, because I do have a few songs on the record that are a bit more he heavy on in terms of like specific content in it. Like I'm, I've haven't, I've never been shy in my songs of talking about things like that. But baseless was kind of one of those things where I was like, this is like a very, very specific and like harsh instance that I needed to get out, but not everybody necessarily needs to hear. <laughs> But so when I was recording it, I like, even when I was kind of writing this song and showing it to the guys, like I, I obviously felt like a little on edge just because it was something so personal. Cool thing about Jim Ward is not that he didn't care, but he was like, cool, you can make a song about anything. We're just going to make it sound as good as possible. And I like that he didn't focus too much on the content of the lyrics. Like I like that he didn't kind of backseat drive in terms of like the writing or anything, or I'm honestly pretty glad that he didn't look into the content any deeper than he needed to, because that's what I needed. I didn't, I didn't want to hyper-focus on the things that I was saying so much as I wanted to make sure it sounded the best that it could. And I think Jim Moore was like perfect for that. Yeah. And I mean, I know you've mentioned that, like, you didn't even know that that was going to be a song that ended up on the album until you kind of did like a, not quite a rewriting process with Ash from Pink Shift, but like kind of really dove into that song. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like that and how, you know, things changed uh, throughout that time. Oh yeah. That song, um, when I first wrote, that song sucked. That song like <laughs> was bad when I first wrote it. And like at first, nothing I was doing was making it work. It was just like, it wasn't fun. It was gross. It was mopey. I hated it. And at first Ash was actually going to feature on it. We were talking about it and I mean, life happens and it didn't work out, but we had like a FaceTime call and I was just like, I don't know how to make this song sound good, but it sounds like something that it sounded like something that was enough in her wheelhouse that I was like, 
I, I think that I could benefit from some advice with this, especially because I had been hyper-focusing. Like I've been rewriting that song for probably like 72 hours straight. And obviously you get to a point with that where you just like hit a wall and nothing's going to happen. So we like, I think I was writing notes. I think we were on like the phone for like two hours or something. Just like, what if we add this chord? And what if, because I mean, the second verse, I was supposed to just repeat the first one. And I was like, okay, what if I don't do that? And I actually write something like, and what if I kick out an extra chorus? And so it was really nice to have somebody who wasn't even like involved in Riverby at all, be able to come in with like a super, just like clean slate and just be like, yeah, just do this. I'm like, oh, okay. You don't have to worry about too many like emotions with it. It's just like, okay, what's going to sound good. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned like the the change from repetition in that song. Um, and I feel like repetition is kind of like uh, an important thing within Riverby and in a lot of your songs. Uh, oh, yeah. can, you, can you talk a little about kind of like the role that plays and like, you know, why you tend to write that way? Oh, um, it's because I can't write a bridge to save my life. Um, <laughs> I, I wish, I wish that I had like Taylor Swift and like uh, great levels of that kind of songwriting where you can really intrinsically build uh, a bridge or anything like that. I love repeating shit. I don't know. I think it's fun. I like also to be able to take the same thing and make it different, if that makes sense. So like, I like that I can have a chorus in the beginning sound so different than a chorus at the end or like, I love a breakdown. Like I have a, a very, a very specific way that I write songs and it's paid off for me so far. Um, but then I have songs like the moon or imagine the ending where it's like, there's no chorus and it is just like stream of consciousness the whole time. You get one or the other. It's either I'm saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, or I need to look at my notebook while I'm performing on stage. Cause I wrote too many words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think two of the instances where like the repetition really, especially caught my ear is like an off with your head, like the buildup of like, I don't need you. I learned to love myself. And then the, um, it's kind of like an interesting mirror. I feel like in, uh, say it when, with the repetition of, I don't think you love me, just say it. Yeah. I, I do. I, I kind of, I think if I had money, I would be like Taylor Swift level of like, you know what I mean? Like Easter eggs and like strategizing shit like that, but I'm not, but that was everything that I do for the most part is pretty intentional. So that is something cool that you caught on to because that is something that like, I did want to point out in the songs that kind of mirrored uh, like familiarity between those two. I like to do things like that. Like I like that I had the telltale heart and I like that I mentioned the telltale heart in Imagine the Ending. Like I like callbacks. I like to have my river be cinematic universe. <laughs> um, so yeah, for the most part, when I repeat things, it's either one, because I can't write a bridge to save my life or two, it's like incredibly intentional for the record. And I mean, speaking of that, um, it's kind of like a, became like a loose concept record kind of about you know, the, the quote in the uh, bio is like about f ending fear with morality and or mortality and finally coming to solutions with your shit, closing doors on things that, you've, that have been festering your history and yourself and making peace with God. Um, and I would love to hear kind of like more about, you know, how you feel that, you know, how that shines through in the album and kind of how it came to be that way. Yeah, I didn't realize um, that I wrote a religious concept album until probably like when I got the masters back and then I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> um, I really, um, 
2021 was like, a, uh, and 2020 obviously were hard years and not even like for COVID reasons, just like for life. And I had to come to terms with like a lot of things in those two years of like, I had a friend who passed away. So I had to like go head, like head to head with mortality itself and like uh, people dying and shit like that. And then I just, I wasn't getting any closure out of anything, especially because of COVID. And I'm, I'm locked inside my house for two fucking years and I'm having like mental breakdowns every day of my life. Um, and I started writing a record about all the shit that I usually write about and I had to stop. And like, that's where the whole, like finally closing doors on your shit and moving on kind of came into play because I realized like, I didn't want to write about that shit anymore. And the only way I was going to be able to do it was to finally like close the chapter. And I feel like this book or this book, wow, this album for me was really like all of the bad shit that I, I love to um, keep things bottled up funny enough, even though my songs are kind of the opposite. Um, and so this was my way of like everything that really was just like fucking driving me up a wall um, for two years was my way of like, it, it's like um, when people write letters to other people, but they don't like actually send them and they like burn them or whatever. Um, that was, this is kind of that equivalent for me. It's just like getting out all of that shit that I really needed to get out in that time and this is me like closing the door on it and also I need to stop being afraid of death and this was a really good way of like trying to cope and come to terms with the fact that it, you have no choice like it's gonna happen um so it was really cathartic and it especially when Tyler sent me that imagine the ending uh just demo for me to write on was really like interesting and for some reason that day like I, I really came to terms with a lot of things about like life because he sent me a stupid eight minute long instrumental um, and I cried <laughs> so yeah it was just really a lot of like how how much shit in 10 songs can I release and not have to fester on anymore and I feel like that's what I tried to accomplish yeah I, I mean it definitely feels like that's kind of like a core of river river bee is like kind of you know standing up for yourself not being afraid to kind of like confront you know the things that are confronting you and also kind of like creating something that others can rally around while you're doing that yeah i do that's the thing is that like so baseless is obviously like i feel like anyone who hears it knows that for the most part that's like about a very specific thing that happened to me um but I try to keep, although I, these songs are very cathartic for me because they're about shit that has happened to me, I try really hard to keep most of the content vague enough that other people will be able to hear themselves in it. I'm always scared of accidentally making things too hyper-specific that it can't be relatable. So I try really hard to go at everything with like kind of more of an objective glance nowadays like when my when I was writing my old old stuff it really was like this is mine this is how I feel this is my shit and now I'm like okay but people are actually listening to my stuff now which is weird so I need to know like how is this how will somebody like when I wrote that advisory about baseless it's really like well how would somebody else feel listening to this song are they going to feel heard or seen or are they going to feel alienated even though they're trying to like have a nice time so that was really important to me, I think, with this. 
for sure yeah and i mean i feel like two of the songs where the kind of like overall theme of the album especially kind of shine through for me are uh chapel going into imagine the ending and they also work really well because like imagine the ending has those kind of like two parts um it's almost like a a a sound sandwich uh between chapel and then the first half of imagine the ending and then the second half um i'd love to hear about kind of how those songs came together a bit more i love the sound sandwich i'm gonna send that to the group chat um so chapel i mean chapel was a song that i wrote a little while ago it was just kind of like it was just a song that i wrote like uh unfortunately chapel is not really about anything real it was just kind of like a um like a writing prompt I was giving myself and it turned out stupid good but I knew I wanted that to be it well obviously we knew Imagine the Ending had to be at the obviously the last track and that eight minute song we whittled down to five minutes and I remember thinking I was like it's a really great song I feel weird that ending though like I felt weird ending the album on it for some reason like something about it felt too final, which I know sounds ridiculous because it's the end of an album and also nothing's that deep. Like, why am I doing that? Um, And I had written the secret song, which is called Absolution, actually, a little tiny secret song, probably about like maybe a week and a half, two weeks before we recorded it. And we didn't demo it or anything. Like, it was just mine. Um, And when we went to the studio, I told Jim, I was like, I want to put a little song at the end of it. Um, I want uh, like a secret song, obviously. And I was like, I just want to sit in a room with my acoustic guitar. I just want to play it live. I don't need anything else. And so I did. And I thought, I don't know, something about that song I thought was a really good way to end the record just because it encompasses everything that I was trying to write about in about two minutes which is good um i it like i don't that little secret song actually is probably my favorite thing on the record like it really means the world to me i love that and then you know obviously i don't think we can talk about the album without talking about the artwork as well Um, oh yeah and it you know has those religious uh undertones as well you know going along with the theme but like how did that kind of come together i know you worked with michaela jane for that and it obviously came out amazing. <laughs> Who is a absolute god. I like was I we had a FaceTime call when we were like going over the artwork and I just sent them like visuals that I liked and literally I didn't even need to I think I ed- had her edit like two things all together. It was perfect. I can't believe it. That whole thing started because <laughs> uh we're Tyler and I are fucking nerds and uh we really like Kingdom Hearts and we really like the stained glass. And I uh, have you played Kingdom Hearts? I'm assuming you know I have it. not. Um it's been a game that I've always been really interested in and I was really excited when it was coming to the Switch, but it's a cloud port and Oh, apparently yeah. runs horribly so <laughs> unsurprised um cloud ports can eat it right now never ever get a game the first day that's what i've learned in life but in kingdom hearts there are these like platforms and cutscenes, and like when you go into different like worlds and shit and it's like a huge stained glass artwork of whatever like fucking disney character or whatever they're doing um but it's like beautiful genuinely like it's so pretty and tyler and i were using those like kingdom hearts pictures for like uh, album artwork for like just demo shit and i really loved it and i knew that that's if i'm making a religious concept album on accident i might as well do something purposeful and make it like a cathedral kind of thing chapel even though it's the album's not called chapel it kind of just has that vibe um and each of the panes is a different tarot card, actually. 
um, which is a kind of a callback because in the Smart Mouth music video, I actually brought out tarot cards and they're in the music video, weirdly enough. Everything's connected all of the time with me. Um, and so I did a very purposeful with each of the singles because I knew Baseless was going to be Justice, which is the first one. Um, Chapel is uh, the moon, which is upside down, which is the center pane. And then Birth by Sleep is Death, which is the right one. And Michaela just did like a really fucking great job being able to create what like she was trying to interpret because I am not good at explaining things that I want, especially with art. Cause I don't, I do not know art. <laughs> and it just, it just turned out like perfect. I'm uh, over the moon, I would say. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you mentioned birth by sleep being represented on the album cover and I can't not mention my, one of my favorite lines on the album. How many nice guys does it take to screw in a light bulb? Just wanted to do it in 15 to cry how they didn't get a chance to try it. I think I'm so funny, <laughs> truly. Um, yeah, that's like one of the, I love that line. I was telling someone the other day about it. I was like, I love that line because um, every single time I play it live, I get to look at the crowd and I can tell exactly who is affected by that. <laughs> I can tell which dude is really offended by what I just said and which like person is like, oh yeah, I felt that. Like it's clear as day on their faces, even if they're wearing a mask. Like I <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I mean, the outside of Baseless, the other kind of like big rager on the album is Burn Your House Down. Can you tell me a little bit about how that one came together? Um, yeah, I think that was me. Um I don't write a lot of songs on the electric guitar um, just because I've been playing acoustic for most of my life. So it's like a comfort thing. But that song I wrote on my electric guitar because I wanted to try bar chords. And so I just like made this like really chunky um, song a la um, the Sex Bob-Bombs from Scott Pilgrim. So it's very much like that. We are Sex Bob-Bombs. One, two, three, four. Like that song from Scott Pilgrim. And then uh, <laughs> we didn't have a chorus. Like I just had the verses and like for two months, Tyler and I were like just trying to figure out what we were saying. And like at one point it was like, da -da 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 -da, fuck you. And like, we didn't know what we were doing. And I think finally in one live rehearsal, we were just like bullshitting it up and we came up with that. That was rough. I did not know what that chorus was going to be for like three months. And I mean, I think we already kind of like hit on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of like the, mixing of the kind of like airy poppy vibes with the chunky heavy guitars and the rougher vocals and just kind of like the whole you know spectrum that's you know present throughout the album yeah I really um Tyler and I kind of when we were really working on the record um we wanted every song to be able to be a single like that was really our biggest goal and we knew to like really do that and love all of the songs we really wanted to have like a lot of eclectic sounds just because smart mouth kind of is like one sound like you know you you listen that start to finish you're like yeah obviously but with this album like we really kind of put aside we were like okay we need two ragers which is baseless and burn your house down um we need two sick like power pop riffy songs which would be like off with your head and birth by sleep we we're like we need like two real big songs like theatrical like Lucy Dacus style which would be like your fall in love say it and then we we're like okay now we need to like acoustic songs like we really kind of did our best to like genuinely set aside while we were 
making the album before I even like had all of the songs set out. We really made a point to be like, okay, we need two of this, two of this, two of this, and two of this, but we don't want too many of one sound. Um, just because it, it's not, I don't know, it wouldn't be fun that way for us, I think. If we made another smart mouth where it's like every song sounded the same, I don't think we would have much fun. And I really wanted to like do as many sounds as possible on a record, even if it doesn't like work. You know what I mean? Like I just, if I'm going to be in Cleveland and I'm going to have Jim Wirt working on a record and I get to spend 10 days working on a record, I want it to be like weird. I, well, it's, it's not even weird, but like I want it to be big. I want it to be something special. I want it to be stuff that we've never done before. Like, I don't want to just play it safe with another like smart mouth. I really just wanted to like see how far we could take things and how out of our comfort zones we could get, which is like the moon. Like that song in particular was really like big and different for us. And it was really just like, how much can we experiment and how many different things can we put on the record with it also sounding cohesive? And was that like a reaction to either like your feelings now about Smart Mouth or any like feedback you got about it? Or was it just more kind of like a natural step from, you know, Smart Mouth is its own thing. And then we want to do this with this album. Oh, yeah. It was honestly more of like a natural thing. Um, Tyler and I have been planning. (laughs) So we were like, okay, second album is going to be our like great big power pop record. Third album is when we go into electro pop. Um, Like we kind of have like low key plans for like each theme of whatever records will come next. Like we're going to make a country album one day, but like we really were careful to like it had nothing to do with like not liking a sound anymore or like getting bored. It was really just like, cool, we did that. Like, what else can we do? And then we'll do that. We'll be like, okay, now what can we do? Like, how can we keep, like people are saying, like, how can we keep leveling up to keep sounding like cool and like creating cool things for people? Yeah. And now we just need the the infographic that like lays out the phases of River <laughs> B the same way they did for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Truly. River B Cinematic Universe is about to go off, I swear. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, and I always like to wrap up the same way, which is uh, just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about that you would like to share. Something I've been thinking about a lot, actually, uh, because I don't know if you've heard, but things are weird in the world right now. We're more than usual. Um, <laughs> a lot of things that I've been thinking about right now are, uh, unfortunately, we're all still chronically online, um, <laughs> myself included. And it's hard knowing that we're going through such rough phases in the world and especially with each other. And there's a lot of tension and um, high emotions, no matter where you go, whether it's online or in person anywhere. And lately what I've been thinking about a lot, especially with like the anti-trans movement that's going on right now and the don't say gay shit. um, I see a lot of people um, responding to these things by obviously going after the terrible people who are doing these things. And I guess I've been saying my piece of advice right now is to love the people who are being hurt more than you hate the people who are doing the hurting. I feel like that's something we forget a lot. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that hits close to home and that's very well said. Like, I think being kind of like more intentional about your reaction to these things, especially if you're not the person who's being like directly affected by it, um, yeah, that makes just, a lot of sense. It comes to 
when we see the world and we want to change it, are we going to do it because we're fueled by hate or are we going to do it because we have love for the people that we want to help? And I feel like that's something a lot of us have forgotten in the past two years. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, is there anything that we haven't hit on about uh, the album or about Riverbreed in general, your plans that are coming up that you uh, would really like to get out there? March 25th, uh, we're going to be in Brooklyn at the Sultan Room with Shamir opening for him for the heterosexuality album. Um, and then we're going to be doing cool stuff that I can't talk about. Um, but yeah, I just hope everybody really likes the album. It was a big labor of love and I'm very proud of it. So I hope everybody likes it. They'd be crazy not to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. In case you couldn't tell, Absolution is an absolute heater, so definitely check it out tomorrow. In case you missed it, I dropped an episode yesterday with James Barrett, and we'll also have a new episode both Wednesday and Thursday of next week. There are two I'm really stoked for, so I really hope you'll check back in. Blind the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media in partnership with Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Jariah for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. You're brave, you're strong, and you're loved. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that make titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.